0: To smart device
1: talk
0: device Welcome to Residential Talk Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, my guest is Frank Stearns, a longtime friend and one of my favorite people in the home tech industry. Frank was recently appointed President of the Polk Audio and Definitive Technology Brands at Sound United. Frank's impressive career includes a six-year stint at Sony, 18 years at Niles Audio, and six years with Harman's Infinity Systems. The last time we saw each other in person was at a conference in Las Vegas right at the start of the global pandemic. That was also just after Frank had accepted his initial role at Sound United, so we have a lot to catch up on and always a little reminiscing. Frank, great to see you, and I'm, I think it's much better, safer conditions than last time for sure.
1: Hey Jeremy, great to see you as well.
0: Well, I I wanted to start off with a little reminiscing. Uh, I I can say with a lot of certainty that two of my favorite sushi dining experiences with were with you. <laughs> um, one one after uh, a little break at a CDM management conference where uh, you and Mike Detmer back at Niles Times. Uh, we found just, just a tiny hole in the wall in California, Long Beach, maybe area. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had. I had sh- beach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I had I had uh, deep fried shrimp heads for the okay. first time, <laughs> which I'm I'm up for anything at a sushi restaurant, but that was a great one. And another was the uh, the famous uh, sushi restaurant down in uh, in South Beach. Uh, it was the chain, and I'm I'm Nobu. now drawing Nobu, yeah. of course, we of course. Yes, yeah. that was quite a treat. My only Nobu experience. So uh, what a great great time that was. But um, I, 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 I always think of you uh, when I think of sushi and uh, same, same with uh, Mike, uh, our friend Sparky. Um, and also you had a very important role in my transition from New York City to Carmel, Indiana. You were in town with, I believe with Mike uh introducing Niles Audio's first home theater speaker line stage front yeah and there were these massive awesome speakers that we sat in a conference room in a hotel near my office in New York and you told me about them I don't think that there was was there an audio demo I think there must have been
1: um, we did an audio demo Yes. in fact we did it in the same room that the Beatles did their famous press conference in 1963 or 64 when they came to America
0: Wow that's that's awesome I did not remember that part of the the anecdote but that that's a really cool place to be So those speakers super impressive um, hard to really turn them up and experience them you know in a hotel setting but At the end of the conversation, I said, and I was starting to do this. I was starting to put out feelers telling people I'm moving away from the city, my first house, and I need to start putting together some equipment and I'd love to have a home theater and you and Mike were just so generous. And I don't remember if it was immediately or he kind of got in touch with me later and said, if you can get these speakers back to your office or whatever, it'll save us shipping them home. (laughs) We're done with our tour and you can have them for your house. And I still have those speakers in my my home theater. Um, Fantastic. And they still sound great. I did kill the sub, which sucks, because it was a great uh-huh. sub. I had a flood in the basement, and it was on the floor, and I didn't get it cleared in time. Um, it's still serving as a coffee table. Because, not a coffee table, but an end table, because it's so massive. Oh, <laughs> uh, well.
1: well you know. but,
0: but the rest of the system sounds great. Um, and uh, and I thank you to this day for that um, for for giving me a head start on my on putting together a, a theater. Um, so, uh, not not a question, but more of just uh, our our personal history
1: kind of story there. That's fantastic. It's uh, I'm reminiscing. It's it's great and um, no fantastic.
0: Well, and uh, not not to go too deep into the nostalgia, but. Also, another great memory Vancouver Islands. um,
1: Yeah, Sonora Resort. Yes. uh,
0: Niles Audio Advisory Board trip, top dealers. um, 2007, I know that because I still have the little uh, crystal trophy that you gave out to all attendees, including the press. Um, Always felt kind of sheepish about it because I wasn't a dealer advisory board member, but I was an honorary uh, participant there at the event and i and i felt bad tossing this thing i've ha- held on to it since 2007 and now i just put it in my trophies <laughs> like random Ooh. random things and it's there to remind me when that was And it was a great place beautiful location
1: one of my one of my favorite places actually um yeah i just love that place can't wait so till we, till we can travel again i can go back there
0: no kidding exactly well it it it's, uh, it's great to catch up on your new um, adventure here. Uh, we've kept in touch over the years, obviously, back long stretch there with Niles, including you taking over the leadership there of the company for quite a while and on to Sony. And now you've got this new role with um, Polk and Deftech. Um, it's been about a year since you joined the company, but you weren't originally... Tasked with being president of those brands, um, you know it's probably a, a quick learning curve for you. Um, what's been what's the process, been Initially, um, your role was president of commercial operations for the Americas, or senior well, vice president, right?
1: Yeah, I, I joined Sound United at CES last year um, as senior vice president of commercial operations sales pricing, that sort of thing, for the Americas, um, Canada, US, Latin America, for all the brands. And and not long after I joined, the merger talks with Bowers and Wilkins started to progress. And we were already discussing as a leadership team the fact that we had many brands going through a a, a single team of people. And we had product people that were doing product categories as opposed to brands. And we were concerned that the brands would start to get homogenized Mm -hmm. and lose their brand essence and lose their unique positioning in the marketplace. And then when the Bowers deal looked like it was really going to go through, and we were faced with the prospect of adding another iconic uh, large brand on top of this we decided we really needed to reorganize the company into a brand led approach as opposed to a regions led approach. Okay. Um, And so we started to to talk about what that would look like and determined that each brand should have a brand president responsible for the strategy product roadmap and, and global marketing. And then execute and implement on a regional basis. Mm. We have we have three regions, Americas, Asia Pacific, and Europe, uh, Africa, Middle East. And like I said, I was in charge of the Americas for all brands. But um, once the Bowers deal closed, we started to move to brand led. And given my love for the speaker business and my experience in speakers, that's really my first passion. Mm-hmm. It just seemed a natural uh, for me to move across and take the leadership position um, for these brands. And, and actually, you know, it's two brands, as you mentioned, it's Polk Audio and Definitive Technology, both uh, large specialty um, premium brands, but with different positioning in the marketplace and different global footprints. Um, So for me, it's like the best of both worlds, because I get to play across the global speaker business from soundbar up to reference quality. Um, So I'm absolutely thrilled.
0: Yeah, now those both have the lineage of the um, famous or respected speaker designer, Sandy Gross, being connected to those two brands specifically. Uh, of course, he went on to uh, create Goldeneer as well before he uh, sold that as well. But uh, how much of the legacy of that of those two brands, and of course, you've got Matthew Polk and George um, Klaffer um, and Don, I don't know John's last name's pronunciation, Javogue um, and Ed Blase, uh, all these, these pretty well-known, if you're into the speaker designer uh, world, well known individuals so how much of that heritage do you need to kind of understand and respect and uh, obviously a lot of new tech technologies coming along in the audio uh, space and speakers but uh did you have to do a little homework on that or did you already kind of know who those guys were
1: i i didn't really have to do any homework on that because i've been in the speaker business so long and uh you know back when i was at infinity um you know sandy and i would be at the same events Mm. And then when I was at Niles, um, you know, Sandy and I would be at the same event. So we, we know each other. Uh, I know Matt and George as well. Um, so there's not that much for me to do to understand the heritage of the brands. Um, frankly, I understand it quite well, even though I haven't been at Sound United very long. I've, I've been in the industry and I've been associated with with the, the same people. So it's that part's not very hard for me. Um, the, the thing that is not difficult, but, but maybe different is the brands have evolved since, since Sandy left and, and become known for certain things. Uh, Polk has a huge sound bar business. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitive has a huge home theater business. Um, so the idea is to build upon that, build upon that globally Keep the brands not in their lanes, but respecting of their heritage and optimized for what they are, and and grow them together um, across the spectrum. That's that's what I'm I'm trying to do.
0: So you mentioned the 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 difference in or the the main focus areas, and of course, definitive technology also has soundbars, so they're not exclusive to to home theater or a little high end. But um, are are you also looking at retail versus custom integration channel. It looks like Polk typically is a more well-known retail brand where you could go to a bo- big box store and find Polk typically, especially in the sound bar area. Um, I wouldn't necessarily find definitive technology at a mass market or a back box, big box store, unless I'm missing them. Um, is that also a different sh- difference between yeah, those two? Yeah.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, Polk plays in the, let's call it mass premium up through premium into specialty channels. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a huge sound bar business. It has a very large architectural and outdoor speaker business. But it is sold through more mass channels, uh, more Amazon, Mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. Definitive is not sold in mass channels. It starts at higher price points. It has a reasonably large soundbar business, but it doesn't have an entry level soundbar business, and, and it won't have an entry level soundbar business. It's more about premium, enthusiast, luxury, performance. And Polk is about performance and value and to be accessible. Mm-hmm. So the brands have different uh, DNAs, different marketing strategies, different um positionings in the marketplace different product strategies but what they what they share is a a commitment to making the best possible sound Mm. um at at not low prices but to offer value Mm -hmm. and that i think is is true to sandy's legacy um because that's that's been a big part of, of what sandy started is is great sound um, that's also a great value.
0: Okay. And uh, is the manufacturing still out of the Baltimore area for those two brands?
1: So um, we have an office in Baltimore that does the engineering.
0: Right, engineering.
1: Um, most of the manufacturing is is not in Baltimore. There may be some modifications or, or custom small run things, but the manufacturing is, is generally uh, done in, in Asia or Malaysia. Um, but the engineering and the design work and product concepts, and voicing and tuning and prototypes are, are still done out of Baltimore.
0: Yeah, and I misspoke when I said that. I, I realized that quote-unquote manufacturing is a different part of the process, but that a lot of the creative team and development team is is what I was asking about. So um, I've been to that facility the original facility there. Um, the, uh, the rest of the, um, of the company, Sound United, you, you are spread out in different facilities. So it's not like you just have these different brands and they all have to just end up in one location and overlapping teams of people. You still have these independent groups developing products that are maybe sharing some you know, properties, but
1: not. Sound, Sound United is, is truly a, a global operation um it's approaching a billion dollars in scale 1700 employees spread out Uh, i don't know that i have this number correct so but i think it's 37 facilities around the world
0: wow okay Uh,
1: you know it's become quite the large operation and truly truly global
0: right so uh I know you're just getting your feet on the ground there with the company in a year, uh, but the uh, the experience you brought over from your last two stops, obviously um, 18 years with Niles, got to be just an amazing amount of experience there, including running the company there toward the end. And then most recently Sony, where you didn't just work on video products, but also the audio and a lot of high-res stuff. What what uh those two more recent experiences, what would you say some of the the lessons that you maybe can carry over into your new role have
1: been? Well, well, there's always been some things about me and about my career and and things that I believe in that I try to uphold no matter what I'm doing. Um, And that is, you know, honesty, integrity, uh, clear communications, be a straight shooter, Appreciate the, the relationships, understand what's important to not just me or my company, but to the customers as well, and work really hard to deliver. Um, you know, I don't want it to sound cliche, but win wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you might have to deliver some bad news, but but if you deliver it, you know, straight and with integrity, um, I think everything works out fine. Making making money for, for customers important. Delivering a quality product, um, you know, not taking advantage of people. All those right. things are just, just kind of block and tackle values for me. And and, and I found that if I stick to the values and I don't, you know. I treat people with respect and with those values in mind, things work out. And, and you know, it's just just who I am and and the way that I've chosen to operate my life and my career and it's worked out, you know, really well. So try to do that every day.
0: Well, I think you brought a great um, trait to the role at Sony because you were the conduit from this dealer base of custom integration to a major company like Sony. You, You gave it more of a, an independent feel as opposed to this big corporate entity that maybe some of these business owners didn't have access to previously or had a hard time with because of the communica- line of communication. So you were this person that they knew and it seemed like, um, grounded and available and, you know, maybe you had to deal with, uh, supply chain stuff because the custom integration channel is just one part of many outlets that Sony deals with. Yeah. But, uh, it seemed like uh, you, you really established that role very well. And then you also the, with the Niles, you know, very much a uh, an independently owned mom and pop type of audio company. It seems like Sound United's almost have kind of in between the two because it's, the brands still seem very accessible, but it's getting to be a global company and yeah. not necessarily a Sony, but it's uh, it, it's nice to be able to have a familiar face locally, locally, you, you know, it, to the individual companies that you, you communicate with. But uh, seems like that's probably a, a good blend of experiences for you.
1: Well, you know, at Sony, I joined the company. Um, I was asked to join the company by uh, Neil Manowitz who recently was uh, announced, I think yesterday, as the new president and COO for Sony North America. And Neil and Sony had actually been customers of mine at Niles. Um, hmm. when Sony was doing CI racks, Niles was supplying the amplifiers and IR products for those racks. Really? And okay. Neil and I got to know each other. And, you know, after I had left Niles and in, in Nortech and moved back to California, Neil saw that I was in Southern California and, and he said, Would you come help us? We're in a we're in a position at Sony where we really want to reinvent our brand. We want to, we want to get back to our roots of. A-B specialty and premium, and we have 4K coming out and high-res audio coming out, and and we really need to, to lean into the CI and specialty channels. And I said, yeah, I can do that if, if you'll let me do that. And he and Mike Fasulo, who was the president at the time, um, they were really supportive and they said, yeah, this is important. And and they let me do it. I wrote a business plan and they said, yep, you go do it, which was fantastic because, you know, it's unusual for a company the size of Sony to really let someone come in and, and act like an entrepreneur mm. and make changes. And so I'm I'm so grateful that they they kind of let me do what they hired me to do. And then then we just went and did it. And, you know, it, it worked out fantastic. So I'm very proud of what we accomplished.
0: Well, Frank and I will continue our conversation, but first, a short break.
1: This episode of
0: Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by Ring, home security systems and smart home automation. Get protection at every corner with their intelligent security cameras, alarm systems, and video doorbells. Receive notifications when motion is detected or check on your home anytime with Live View in the Ring app. Help keep your neighborhood safer with the Neighbors app to share information and discuss safety concerns in this hyper-local social networking platform. Ring's mission is simple. Make neighborhoods safer. Discover all the smart home security products by Ring. Go to ring.com. Welcome back. I'm talking with Frank Stearns, president of Sound United's Polk Audio and Definitive Technology Brands. Frank, uh, we were talking about your experience at Sony. I I wanted to go back um, even much further and talk about how you ended up in the audio business to start with and even got interested in those those early days of your childhood um, looks like as many folks in the industry have been you you're a musician to start with the bass player is that right
1: um, yeah actually it probably starts younger than that I oh was, yeah I was four or five years old and uh, I recall and it's, it's just vivid uh, going to a party uh, with some friends of my parents and someone put Meet the Beatles on the little console stereo you know with the turntables and the built-in speakers and um all my loving and i was hooked and i I wanted to be paul mccartney i wanted to be a (laughs) rock star and and um you know i was four or five years old by 10 i had gotten a guitar for my birthday and taught myself how to play some chords and um, then uh, graduate to junior high school and i wanted to study guitar but I had a band or orchestra. Those were my choices. And I didn't want to play the trumpet. And the orchestra didn't have any guitars, but they said um, violin, viola, cello, or bass. And I said, bass. <laughs> and so um, I learned how to play classical stand up bass at 13 years old. And it turns out I was pretty good at it. Okay. In fact, I was invited to. Uh, an all-star orchestra for the Los Angeles City School District. Uh, I was the youngest bass player in the orchestra wow. uh, when I was 13 or 14 years old. And um, yeah, I was, I was really thinking maybe I would become a professional musician, but then I got a little bit older and realized a classical bass player, you weren't going to meet any girls. <laughs> and and anyhow, get... I, I decided not to become a musician. You didn't
0: consider a rockabilly band at any point in time? You know,
1: I had a band in high school, um, but I couldn't sing and I really wasn't that good at guitar. And, and I started to think about it and I said, you know, maybe I got into audio at about the same time I got into playing the bass. One of my fellow bass players um, had a next door neighbor that worked for Infinity Speakers. Hmm. And so he and I learned all about infinity. This was in the early seventies when Arnie and Carrie were making servo statics and and other things. And we became infinity groupies and hi-fi fanatics when I was 14 or 15. In fact, I mowed lawns for a summer so I could buy my first pair of infinity column one speakers. Mm. And, uh, I actually rode my bicycle down to the infinity factory. Cause it was a few miles from my house and applied for a, a summer job on the production line. Okay. But I, I didn't get the job. So, um, fast forward a few years later. And, um, I met, uh, someone actually a customer of my father's. That was the Western advertising sales manager for stereo review. Mm. And she and I became good friends, and she helped me write my resume and helped me get launched in my career, uh, which was actually in electronics with, with David Hafler. But long story short, she and I connected uh, a few years later and she had been dating Arnie Nudell And uh, she connected me with Arnie and I ended up getting hired at Infinity. And I told Arnie about how he didn't hire me when I was 15 and I still kind of resented that. And um, I think that's what got me the job. Oh yeah. Okay. And so yeah, I ended up being the uh, the national sales manager for premium audio at Infinity in 1986, and then became the national sales manager for everything for Infinity Harmon in '88 through '92. Okay. And
0: um, yeah. And you, you you worked with Mike Dutmer there before you went to Niles together, correct?
1: Um, when I left being the high-end sales manager to be the sales manager of everything, all channels, all products. Uh, I needed to replace myself as high-end sales manager. Okay. So I hired Mike um, to become the high-end sales manager and replace me. And that okay. was not
0: 1988. Okay. And uh, you uh, were there for a while. And what, what was the, the move? Cause you ended up in Florida for Niles. So how do you make that big leap?
1: Um, So this is an interesting story. You want to talk about connecting the dots. So this was uh, 19, I guess it was probably 90 or 91. And uh, Cedia was being formed. Mm -hmm. And I was launching a line of in-wall speakers, the ERS, Environmental Reference Standard, one of the early in-wall speakers for Infinity, And we were uh, charter founding members of Cedia. And about that time, Mm Denon introduced the world's first five-channel receiver. And I started to think, where do you put the center speaker? Uh, So I wrote a product specification brief for a center channel speaker that would sit on top of a television that had magnetic shielding to put the center channel, and that became Infinity's Video One, which became the first center channel speaker, and at that time was the biggest selling single speaker SKU in their history. Mm. But it became pretty clear to me with multi-channel sound and and big wooden boxes of speakers that likely people were going to run out of room um, to put speakers, and this trend towards in-wall speakers was likely something that was here to stay. Okay. And soon after that, in fact, the first Cedia Expo in Amelia Island, Florida, I met Ivan Zuckerman, uh, Ivan Niles Zuckerman, the founder of Niles, and he and I just connected, and Mm -hmm. we talked over the coming year, and uh, I decided to go help Ivan out with Niles. I thought he was in the right place at the right time, and with what I knew about speakers, and and his switch boxes and volume controls and, and knowledge of install, that this could be a really great thing for everybody. Uh, so I took a bit of a leap and joined Ivan at Niles. Uh, and the first year, I actually worked out of my house in Los Angeles, Okay. because uh, I didn't really want to move. And um, things took off pretty quickly. And, and Ivan said, you know, you, you need to come to Florida. You need to be here and so um yeah i i I moved back to florida actually and uh was there for almost the next 20 years and it was quite the ride
0: absolutely and here i just thought you only worked for places that were in warm climates this whole time but (laughs) (laughs) it just happened to work out that way it just worked out that way (laughs) um so you you know we 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 will get into, I want to ask you about your, your observations on trends in, in the AV business, but uh, some of the things I wanted to touch on too were just your interests other than music and performance there in the early years, but you, you've got a passion for cooking and, and cycling. Yeah. The one yeah. thing I, I, I really enjoyed when you, I think initially left Niles before you went to Sony, was you had this little, was it a vanity label type of an opportunity with winemaking? Can you recall that experience? Yeah, no, no,
1: no, of course. Um, I got into wine, you know, food and wine and stereos and bicycles and guitars. And, you know, those are the the things that I'm into. And early on, in fact, um, 1988 and infinity, we had a customer on the West Coast called the Good Guys. Yeah. And uh, we had a dinner. For the good guys at the french laundry in napa
0: i know that place i went there from my first anniversary that's a great restaurant um,
1: and in, in fact um mike mohan who's now the president of best buy was there because he was at the good guys at the time and um you know long story short i fell in love with napa valley mm-hmm. and and wine and it, it just fit my whole personality and and, and so i said at some point when I'm successful in my career, I'm going to have a second career, and I'm going to have a winery and a tasting room and and um, release parties and yellow labs running around and bocce ball <laughs> courts and all that sort of stuff. And I had this this big dream. And um, when we sold Niles to NorTech, I did pretty well, and I decided to dip my toe in the water to see if you know that dream was was real. Hmm. And so. I um, called some friends in Napa and I hired a winemaker and I contracted with some growers and I bought grapes and I bought barrels and I got a winery to, to actually produce the wine to my specifications and I designed a label and I launched this wine brand called Arielle. Um And my plan was, I was still working for Niles, I was still president of Niles I was going to build a mailing mailing list clientele and and i was going to to sell it to detmer and we could we could take it to dinners and give it away to customers so i kind of had a built-in sales base if you will while i built this this um this brand Mm -hmm. and the ceo of nortec at, at the time richard brady Uh, was also a wine lover and owned an interest in five restaurants in Providence, New um, Providence, uh, Rhode Island. And so he was completely supportive. Um, So I launched this brand. Unbeknownst to me, when I started in 2006, you know, the stock market corrected in 2008, Mm. got in financial trouble, Uh, there wasn't much expense account or whining and dining of customers Mm. at all. And to make a long story short, um, Nortec ended up going through a bankruptcy and a reorg, and smashing brands together, which became uh, core brands. And I ended up leaving, and and so the wine thing kind of came to an end um, due to circumstances. I, I guess if times had been different, our conversation now might be about uh, the new Chardonnay release. I don't know. <laughs> but,
0: uh, Are you? Um... Do you still have dreams of doing that as a retirement job after audio, or are you kind of over it now?
1: No, I think what I've learned sometimes is that hobbies are better as hobbies, and mm. yeah, business is better as business. Sure. Uh, for, a few, for a few years, it, it took a little bit of the enjoyment out of collecting wine, mm. drinking wine, researching wine, buying wine. It became a job. So <laughs> I'm really glad I did it. I'm really proud of the, of the wine it, it it was rated the number one cabernet in california uh wow. in 2008 which for a newcomer is pretty good yeah um but commercially not so much of a success but <laughs> but i'm still proud of it
0: well there's there was a lot more to that story than i recalled so that that was really cool that you you went that deep into it, it it's uh nice that you got a little chance to try it out but uh I'm happy that you're still a part of this business because I get to talk to you about uh, audio stuff, which means I I need to ask you the final question, which is what are the trends um, in the AV business? I'll ask generally because it's more than just audio that uh, are influencing some of your product development uh, efforts right now.
1: Yeah. um, Great question. These are really interesting times as everybody knows, Um, you know, Personally, I've been at home for a year now, uh, staring at Zoom calls and and that sort of thing. Um, totally different than anything else. I'm sure same for you. Yeah. I used to travel every other week and go visit customers, and, and we don't do that anymore. But it's it's well, it's it's a bad thing for people. Um, and it's a challenging thing for everybody to stay stay safe and healthy. It's it's been uh, perversely a good thing for our business. Um, and there's a number of factors that have come together. It's kind of the perfect storm. So number one, people at home, COVID, shelter in place, um, got to come up with things to do. You know to stay sane and. And that has meant um, home improvement, improve your audio system, get a new television, fix the backyard, (laughs) uh, you know, get a new home office set up, upgrade your network, get a new desk chair. (laughs) Um, So, demand in general, I think the numbers I saw were overall in CI last year up 11%. We are up substantially more than that. Great. At the same time, you have big changes in things like content that's available for streaming. Mm -hmm. This was a trend that was coming even before COVID, cord cutting and over the top, but you've got Netflix and HBO Max and Discovery Plus and Disney Plus and Roku and all these streaming services. And now with COVID, people are at home and so, they're not going to the movies, but first run movies are being released in home. Right. Um, so that's a demand generator in and of itself. On top of that, you've got a flight to quality. You've got enhanced download speeds, enhanced networks. So you're now streaming 4K and Dolby Atmos. Um, and then the last thing is people can't go out and travel as much or go out to eat, and so you've got discretionary income for those Mm -hmm. that are still working to invest and enjoy in all these things. So you've got a lot of things happening all at the same time that are dramatically growing um, home entertainment, uh, growing AVRs, growing home theater speakers, growing soundbars, growing headphones, growing outdoor sound, uh, all of these things, and we believe these trends mostly are here to stay. Um, quality content, not going anywhere, just going to get better. Um, first, look, first run movies released at home, I don't think that's going to go back. Uh, we like to think of it a lot like what happened with gaming where you used to go to the arcade and then you started gaming at home. you used to go to the movies and i think at some point people will go back to a movie experience but i don't think it's going to go back to movies first and and home second Uh, what will likely change is that when we all get um, vaccine or herd immunity we will likely to to want to go back and travel again which may affect budgets a little bit uh, but i don't think it's going to affect the trends Mm -hmm. so that is definitely influencing our current and and future product directions.
0: Very good, thanks Frank. I really appreciate your your time. It's been great catching up with you.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Likewise, great to see you.
0: Also, thanks to everybody for joining us. Be sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And you can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.